Father's Day, guys. Thanks for doing what you do on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads out here. Um, to all of our dads, grandfathers, spiritual fathers, um, thank you so much for stepping up and doing what you do and raising our little ones and leading our families. And uh, yeah, we just thank you so much. So we just want to wish you all a very happy Father's Day. To those who are joining us online, happy Father's Day to you who stayed home because your family made you breakfast in bed. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Um, we also just want to let you know that just in our way of um, showing our appreciation to our dads, we do have a special little gift at the back. There are some over there on the connections counter and I believe on the little, the little square table in the middle as well. So dads, go ahead and pick that up um, before you go today. Um, so as we get started this morning, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for being here at Crossroads. My name is Dion. Would you please just join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for being our one true father um, who gave us the gift of dads in our lives. I know that we've all had very different experiences there, Lord, so we can always look to you to be the one um, to guide us and lead us in everything, but we ask your blessing on our dads, Lord. Lord, that you would continue to strengthen them, guide them, and lead them as they do us. We thank you for who they are. We thank you for today's message and uh, that you would just speak clearly and, and powerfully through Nick. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Thanks, Ms. Dion. You know, I asked about breakfast in bed, and there was a pillow at the kitchen table. <laughs> um. So I got breakfast in bed, too. I didn't sleep too good, though. Happy Father's Day, guys. What a treat. What a trip. Um, fathers, wow. We're, my oldest is seven. My youngest is, I'm not sure. And uh, there's four of them. And what a neat opportunity we have as fathers. Um, it's, it's something that, a gift given to us by God. It's a responsibility, an opportunity to train and direct these young minds to teach and mature our kids with love and truth. This is huge. So, just take a couple minutes here to, to just reflect on this and, and appreciate it. Because um, I know for me, fatherhood has shown me a lot, especially what a, what a doofus I am, <laughs> how selfish I can be. Um, but for me, as, as it went, a huge major mind shift or a paradigm shift had to happen. And it can't happen for all of us through our mistakes and ambitions to be dad, <laughs> to take care of the physical stuff like cars, toilets, broken water lines, explaining to the kids toilet is spelled T-O-I, not T-O-Y. Um, so they stopped playing with it. Thank you, whoever did that. That's my last dad joke. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> earning a living, paying the bills, and to the, re and, and to the relational child raising stuff like bringing order to the chaos patiently brushing teeth before or at the end before bed at the end of a really long day and, and Emma was the first to point out yesterday dad you're not always that patient at bedtime when you're brushing our teeth so we make mistakes um, but we do it and we love it we we make the shifts no more skydiving because the kids can't skydive yet um, we ride our bikes slow because the kids ride their bikes slowly we we change everything we we're now present in the drudgery and common everyday life situations. We trade in the parachutes, the fun stuff, the exciting lives for suburbans, 
for grocery trips. No more going out to the, the airport and just going nuts all day. Um, now we go to the grocery in the Suburban, fully loaded. This is what it looks like on the inside. Let's see, there's another one. Yep. So, yeah, we got them all. They're all there. So four. I, there's four there. So the drill there is we all get in the car. Usually I'm patient enough to not start backing out before I do this, but it's Emma. You buckled? Yeah. Ben, buckled. Zoe, buckled. Jack? Jack? Almost buckled, Dad. <laughs> what fun is it's buckle up, guys. We got a road ahead of us. So there really is something to raising a child born so innocent, yet so naturally sinful. Wow, we. Um, I'm not that much different. Many of you who know Ben are not surprised when you, when you look at me. Um, a crazy man. Raising a child, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it really doesn't. And it isn't all rainbows and sunshine. We put in the work and the effort because there's a purpose. We feed them because we know they will grow. We teach them right and wrong to the best of our abilities because there is right and wrong. We all know that. We, we believe they need Jesus. We know they need Jesus. So we patiently lay down our lives as their parents to establish our hearts and God's ways and not the world's. Wow, we... Guys, you buckled? It's a, it's a trip. It is a journey. It is exciting. And we, we've been on this, on this journey now with James recently, and, and we're coming to the end of it. We're not there yet. But he, James, at the beginning, he started out, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's writing to Christians scattered throughout. He doesn't mention, hey, I'm James's brother, or I'm Jesus' brother. He's, I am James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ talking to Christians scattered throughout the world, talking to those people who are done with the old guy and ready for the new stuff, ready, agreeing with God's ways and God's perfect plan. And we go through counting it all joy because there's a purpose behind it. If we're not sure what to do, if we're confused and we want to know answers, we can ask God and trust his answers. And, and knowing that there is such a thing as, as holy fruit, there is something that will come out of us as we choose God's ways and his directions, apply that and go for it. The anger of man, our stuff, we get rid of that. And we let the implanted word of God work its way out and we move and run. And, and up to us not to be the judge, no partiality. That's not for us. The gospel is for everyone. We go on to saying God is the perfect judge. So what are we to do to be judged there? It's there for all if they would. And then to do it, God is real, really doing stuff. We get to take part in this, really do stuff, put it into practice out of love, out of, a, out of just this whole new deal that's been put inside of us. And then last, last weekend, Mr. Bill was telling us that there's a difference in the world's ways and the ways that we naturally will lean towards, the ways that will naturally come out of us, the ways that will naturally come out of our children the ways that they show that they are our kids and the way God has set before us and what he's put in the middle of us and for us to follow and to walk in. Wow, James has been walking us through this and, and what a journey it has been. And it's, it's not an easy one. Today, we start moving in, transitioning into the, near the end of it, but it's a buckle up. It's a get ready. The journey is long. So we pick up here where he's talking to, to the rich for a moment there. He's talking to the, 
the guys who, who, how much does it take to be happy? One dollar more. What does it take to be content? One more skydive. One more exciting thing. One more accomplishment at work. He's talking to those guys. He's saying, you've lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. And then he moves on talking to the Christians scattered, those that are they're done with the old man, our natural selves. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. He's coming back. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So for them, you guys are familiar with rainy seasons, hot, dry seasons, and more rainy seasons. He's, he's, illust- he's using this as an analogy to Jesus' coming back as he came the first time, which they had just went, witnessed that he came as James's brother, and then Jesus going back up and then coming back. He's relating that to those, those rains that you get and reminding us we are in that hot summer period. So you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience. Take the prophets. Look at the prophets. So did y'all get all of that? I didn't. I just... <laughs> that's what we're talking about today. We've got about 30 more minutes, so we're going to get to go through that, break it down, and, and it's going to be a journey. It's going to be great and fun. So to start at the beginning, you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. We, why is the summer so hot? Why is it so long? What, what makes this world so unpleasant? What, what is it that has us striving and and going to and retreating to whatever we might have is it is it the the pain the grumpiness the anger the depression that is there the death the tragedy that pops up the the murder that goes on the gossip the backstabbing our own poor decisions we talk about all these things all of us have experienced that the death of a loved one a tragedy that doesn't make sense the the pain that we can't explain expecting well maybe it's going to get better and then it doesn't the, the depression, waiting for it to leave, as, as we can't break out of something that is just dragging us down, that has got us in a bad mood, and, and even beyond that, unable to function, waiting for it to get better, and it, and it maybe doesn't. Our own anger, things happen, things start to boil up inside of us, and, and we throw that out, and we see other people throwing that out, and it just makes our lives long and hot and unpleasant. And, it's, and we realize these things... They come from our own hearts, the heart of man. That, that first part, living on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, this is our natural lives. This is our natural selves. From within our natural selves, out of our hearts, come evil thoughts, immorality, theft, murder, adultery, we, thieving, or stealing, lying, coveting. I want that. And so the coveting, I'm explaining coveting, not saying, we say, I want that. So I'm going to, I'm willing to steal, to cheat, to do whatever I got to do to get it. Wickedness, anything, anything driven by evil thoughts that are different from God's ways. These things, as, as you look at that for a moment and consider your heart, consider the, the list of, have I been driven by my heart to, to lie, to stay out of trouble or pride to stand up for myself? Um, have I jumped into foolishness because of a passion or desire I had? And it took me to a place where I'm like, whew, wish I hadn't done that. But, but we did. Our hearts, they deceive us. They really screw with us. 
And so this verse has always been big for me because it, it points to me. It points to something I got going on. It points to something that is all too common, a natural part of life, and we get used to it. We don't like it, but we do our best with what we got. And, and we, we focus on, on our comfort, what we need, what we want. Of course, we're, we're cold. We put on a jacket. We we're, really don't like the situation we're in. We're trying to get to a different one. We want something, so we try to go get it. We see our kids do this. We see us do this. We see our coworkers do this. As we follow our own passions and desires, which we brought up, gets us into trouble. We get blinded by those desires, and, and we cause a lot of those problems on our own. Why wouldn't we do this? Babies start out that way. They're wet. They cry. They're hungry. They cry. They're babies, so they cry. And <laughs> as we grow up, we learn to control these things. We, we, we start to learn how to get along in the world. But these things are still there. And, and some of these areas, we just don't have any control over. We'll look back and say, man, I wish I could do better there. I wish I could do better there. But we never do. We never make any ground there. We just continue to, to hurt people and, and wish we hadn't hurt people and go back and say, and say uh, I'm sorry, and, and genuinely want to do different, no matter how devoted a person is to God. These things are going to be a part of their lives. This is an issue um, for all of us. And for the Christian, it, it goes to what do you do with these things? You agree that God's ways are perfect and awesome. You, you agree that, wow, that looks amazing. And you know, if everyone would do that in the world, you're right. The world would be great. A non-Christian would say that as well. But then the Christian looks at their heart, looks at that verse we saw a minute ago and realizes, that is me. We, we try our best, but we screw it up a lot. And that's really frustrating. We, we can't do it. And it's extremely humbling, especially when somebody is close to you who goes, yeah, you know, that that really hurt, or that really messed up. You're like, oh, I'm doing my best. And you realize that this still comes out of me. But we, we start to delight into God's ways. We delight in the law of God. We agree it is great and wonderful and amazing. We can't wait for it. But we also see in our members another law waging war against the law of our mind and making us captive to the law of sin that dwells within our members. <laughs> Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know who wrote that? The same guy who wrote most of the New Testament, or a large portion of the New Testament. Um, look at the, the deal there. He acknowledges, wow, there is a way that is right and perfect and awesome. And, and I want that, but I can't. I screw it up, and he hates that. You know, you have to ask yourself... <laughs> What joy could there possibly be for someone like this, for a guy like that, for a Christian? And, the, and on the outside, this is what leads a lot of people to maybe say, no, thank you. But, but there is something so neat here. And this is something that, that, uh, that James is starting to point back to us. Is Jesus is coming back because they saw something. They experienced something new. They experienced Jesus coming and, and actually dying and making a way to, to change this. This is this, this verse here talking about where Jesus would come, his first coming. We've got two, two Jesus' comings in, in the passage we're going for. Jesus, when he first came, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for 
my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What that says there is for Paul, who, who said, I, what is going on? I am so screwy. God's ways are great and awesome, and I want to follow them, but I can't. And that brings death. And he points out, but thank God for Jesus who did this. It, you know, when I, when I looked at this verse this week, what hit me for the first time, and I'm sure you guys have seen it for a long time, but it says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. We esteemed Jesus as stricken and smitten by God. We left him up on the cross. Jesus is the one that died. Jesus is the one that suffers. So I'm free and clear to go do whatever I want. And, and that's not the attitude that we see. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. King David, the, the guy who killed Goliath, I like to describe him that way to, to the kids. He had a huge kingdom. He was, he was the guy, a warrior. He said, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, God so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. This is, this is the heart of a warrior. And then he goes on to say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's, he saw the heart. He saw the struggle that Paul saw. He saw the struggle that many of us see, and he knew that it was up and needed to be from God. And so Paul here at the bottom, with the... With the, this information from Jesus' first coming, from him leaving, he, he says, now it's no longer me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's a whole new deal. This is exciting. And then Paul goes on to say, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now it makes sense. Before there was a confusion because the, the, God's people saw the same hearts in their enemies that they had in themselves. They knew that the, the, the time Jews were considered God's chosen people and, and they were going to be rescued and saved. And, and they knew the, the verses from Isaiah of, of stricken and, and, and like how ugly and broken our hearts and sinning against God we are. And he saw those things. And, but once they understood that Jesus came, he paid for that, they hit the presses. They went and they wanted to make sure that we didn't forget. He came to do what he did. And he's coming back. There is now an, an option for our heart. He's coming back. Because when Jesus was here, he said it often. He said, I will come again and I will take you to myself. This is where I am. So take you to where I am. There you will be also. The, the last thing he said in Revelation. It's the, it's the last thing Jesus said. Next to last verse. He says, surely... I am coming soon. That's where we are so far is, is Jesus came, whoa, did the big deal for our hearts, gave our hearts a, an option, a chance, and then he goes back up to heaven and says, I am coming back. That was the first rain, the first, the first big deal. Uh, the, but there's another one coming, and it will be soon. But we, we get stuck on the word soon sometimes and, and we start to forget what's going on because we, we see that this was written almost 2,000 years ago. This was written a long time ago. That doesn't seem like soon. And, 
But if you think about it in light of eternity, 2,000 years is it's not really that long, I imagine. And it's kind of like a grain of sand in the ocean. Besides, if you think about it, it wasn't 2,000 years for Peter. It wasn't 2,000 years for Paul before they saw Jesus. No, as, far as, I, as far as I know, nobody lives, few people live much past 100. That's like 5% of 2,000. That's not very long. That's soon. If we're, if we're on a car ride with the kids, they're buckled up. They've been in there for a long time, and they say, are we there yet? Are we going to get there soon? If we're 50% of the way there, I'm going for soon. I'm, I'm saying soon. So when we, when we start thinking about things in, in God's perspective, when we start to consider God's scale on, on our hearts, on the sacrifice he made, and, and the way we get to walk into it, it, it makes it seem like not such a big deal at all. I mean, God's scale is huge. There is a star called Betelgeuse. It is five times 10 or 640 light years away. A light year is five times 10 to the 12 miles away. These things are so far beyond our understanding and our comprehension on how big that is. If you take miles and make them into seconds, it's over a million years on how far that is. This is huge. God's scale is so far above ours. And so James doesn't want us to lose perspective because he knows the days are hot. <laughs> he knows that it's coming, though. He wants us to remember. So he says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. He doesn't want us to forget that because he is coming back. And when he does, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. All these things from that list before that make the summer seem long, that, that, that make our days go on, the, the people at work, the stuff we struggle with, the things that are going hard, those all disappear. James is like, hey, Jesus is coming. He's actually coming back and all of these things will go away. He will wipe away every tear. All the ugly stuff, all the bad stuff, it's all going to be gone. There won't be mourning, depression, no crying, no pain anymore. It's all gone. He will make everything new. Everything new. You know, I am extremely excited for this. Like, like my kids get excited for vacation. Like, I can't wait until this happens. It's all you want to talk about. It's all you want to think about. But we don't even know exactly what it's going to be like. There's still, it's going to be so far beyond our appreciation and, and it's not going to be just floating around on fluffy clouds. So I'm pretty sure about that, but it's going to be awesome. And my kids, they love to talk about vacation. They don't know where we're going, how long we're going to be there because Kelsey and I don't know yet, but, but we still have now. We still have today. We still got to do our chores. I've still got to go to work. We've still got to clean the toilets, fix the toilets, whatever we got to do. We still got to brush the teeth at bedtime. We are, we are still here. We're not there yet. So James says, you also be patient like the farmer. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So how do you prepare for his coming? Especially when he brings up that, when he brings up like, be careful about grumbling against each other. Establish your heart. Prepare your heart for what's coming. And, and oh, by the way, part of that, don't grumble and, and be judgmental against each other so that you may not be judged because the judge 
is standing at the door. He is coming. So how do we prepare and establish our hearts for something different when our hearts are so funny? And because and, we know we established it's sick. It needs help. We can't understand it totally. And God, that's exactly what God's going to be looking at is the heart. He says, I search the heart and test the mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to his deeds. He searches your heart to judge your deeds. So we can understand this in kids too. If, if one of my kids goes and, takes a, and breaks a window with a baseball bat, then, then they're going to be in big trouble. But if I understand the story and they were trying to help keep their other sibling from falling somehow and getting hurt, then all of a sudden their heart was, was in the right place. They're not in trouble anymore. God looks, sees the deeds. He's the perfect judge, way beyond our, our ability to judge. And he judges our deeds according to the heart and the mind. This is, this is cool. We're going to get a little confused about this. There's a really long story that we're not going to, I'm not going to read it to you or anything like that. In Matthew chapter 25, where, where when Jesus comes back, he says, I'm going to separate the goats from the sheep. I'm going to separate them. And, and, and the sheep, I'll say, come on in, welcome into my joy, enter into your kingdom, like take part in my kingdom, come on in. And they're going to be like, well, what did we do to get to come in? And he says, well, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was cold. You, you did all these things. And they're going to say, well, when did I do that? And, and, and he'll say, when you did it for these, you were doing it for me. So they weren't even aware of it at the time. Their deeds were, were just a fruit, a result of their hearts. You guys remember that from a few weeks ago. And, and he was judging those. And the other guys will say, well, when did we not clothe you? When did we not feed you? When did we not do all these things that we were supposed to do? He says, when you didn't do it for these, you didn't do it for me. And, and he goes a step further in another passage. Somebody comes up and they says, but I did all this stuff for you. I did so much. I healed people. I performed miracles. I prophesied. I, I did a ton of stuff. And he says, I never knew you. Get out of here. Wow, this is a big deal. This is why he's telling us to establish our hearts. So how do we get ready? How do we establish our hearts? What are we, what are we doing here? It's buckle up. It's a bumpy ride because we acknowledge that God's ways are good and great and awesome. And we acknowledge that we aren't. We can't. We screw it up. So it's a journey. Ben, Emma, Zoe, Jack, you buckle because we're in for it. We're in for a great and an amazing deal. When you start to build something, when my kids start to build something, they'll often start building it and find, oh, that doesn't work very good, and you add something. Oh, that doesn't work very good, then you add something else. We, we do a lot of guess and check. We see a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors. We'll do this at work, too. We'll do this anywhere, and then we'll, we'll tack on a Band-Aid, or, or we'll make an adjustment. This is how we're establishing our hearts and God's ways. We are acknowledging that his ways are awesome and perfect. And, and our, our heart, our passions, our desires, we, we see your, your stuff. We want your stuff. We, we, we agree that it's right and that there's something funny in us. And so we say, what do we say? We make a, a commitment. We make a desire. I, I'm going for it. The word for establish is to make stable, to place firmly, to set fast, to fix. And so as we build, as we try to make stable, as we try to place firmly, we, 
we know that there's going to be storms. We know that there's going to be struggles, external and internal. Our internal struggles will mess with us. The external struggles will mess with us. So take care that you're not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability. But instead, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing in the grace and the knowledge. We'll, go to, we'll start with the, the knowledge. We, growing in the knowledge of God. Adding support, establishing our heart, our mind, and our body. We went over establishing our mind, seeing God's wisdom, and saying, yeah, that's, that's right. Agreeing with our mind, God's ways. Our, our body, our, our tongues, our speech, the things we go and do. And then now to our hearts, growing in the grace and the knowledge. We'll get to the grace, but knowledge right now. Do we, we read our Bibles. Do we understand what we can about God? Do we understand the, are we trying to understand the directions, the guidance he's given us with a willingness to do what it says and then to put it into practice with our speech, with our attitudes? You know, for, for me, I, I really, I took the attitude of, God, if you're real, if you really are real, then I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do what it says and you're going to show up. Oh boy, did he. <laughs> oh boy, did he. Wow, 180. So each time I would read something, I would see, well, my, that's different from the way I used to be. And then we would do it. We would try it with a knowing that if he's real, which I'm pretty sure he is, this is going to work. This was a process of establishing our hearts and then making a lot of mistakes. Like, I'm pretty, this is what you're saying. Okay, I'm going to go do this. And and sometimes being embarrassed, embarrassed because I was wrong or embarrassed because the world thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> but it didn't matter because continuing to grow, continuing to establish my heart to build that foundation. And, and as it gets exhausting, as it gets tiring, remembering like he is coming back. Like the, the light is already shining that I can already see him working. I can see that he's real and my faith continues to grow. My knowledge continues to grow. So does yours. So ours. This is great. <laughs> this is so unbelievably. This is establishing our heart. It's, it's an action on our part. No surprise there. James has been great on actions. And, and for us, as we try to live as Jesus did, and he's been, a, he's been encouraging us in this with just, with, with just clarity. Hard-hitting clarity, your speech. Do you talk bad about this person and then go talk, try to praise God with this mouth? It's like, well, yeah, so we stop it. <laughs> but James isn't done with us yet. Growing in the grace of God. Grace is, is, is beyond mercy, not giving someone what they don't deserve, but, but giving them a gift that they don't deserve. Um, and, and he goes on to tell us, like, look at the prophets as an example. Look at as an example of suffering and patience through the long summer, through the torturous struggles of trying to do this, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The, the prophets were thinking like Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the Ezekiel, all these guys who, there, there's a bunch of them, Amos, a bunch of unknown, kind of unknown, lesser known prophets. And what they did was they, they were known to have a tough time in life to go and share the word, to tell people the gospel, and the gospel as well as they understood it at that point. And, and they weren't always very well received. When we look at a prophet, a book of a prophet, when we think of a prophet, we often think of someone standing up on a, on a tall 
tower, looking at people, pointing a finger, telling them you're wrong. Do what I say or else you're toast. Follow my rules unless you're toast. If you don't, you're toast. That's what we think of, but that's not the heart of the prophets at all. As we read it carefully, when Isaiah was, was he, this is such a crazy story, he was like brought into the presence of God early in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. He goes, he goes, oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. I am a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. He didn't say, well, I'm some great guy. Of course you brought me up here. I'm pretty good. You know, I'm okay. He didn't say that. No, I'm dead. You brought me, you brought me here and I'm a man of unclean lips. My heart is, is desperately wicked. And I am among a people just like that. We are all in this together. And all the prophets, they carried, they carried this message of love from God. It, it, the message is, is, as I live, declares the Lord God, picking up in the middle here, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? This is, this is a message of a father to a child. We, we have our kids, and, and sometimes we're, we don't understand why we continue to struggle with stuff. So we'll sit them down, each with something different, and, and say, and say why, why are you doing this? How come? Just, just explain to me why. Because why, why take yourself out of the day? Why, why get yourself punished for, for weeks or whatever? Why, why do this when, when there's a different way? We could do this. It could be so much better. I'm, I'm being careful about using the right examples here because Emma's there and she'll tell the others I was talking about them. And so, but, so sorry for the vagueness. But, but we look at our kids and we ask them, why, why do it this way? Why not do it the other way? Because it's so much more fun. And, and this is the prophets to us. This is God to us. And so how did the prophets get treated? Most do you know. They, most, they were beaten. They were thrown in, in cisterns, which is like a, kind of like a, a well, um, and left to just die. They were, they were abused. They were, some were sawed in half. It was, it was not pretty. So did Jeremiah, the first time he'd, he'd get abused, did he climb up to his pedestal now and start pointing fingers? Nope. He kept the message. Guys, God is calling out. God is screaming out to you. He's, he's telling us to turn and stop it. He's telling us. You hear that? He's telling us to do this. We are screwing this up. But in doing that, they continued to be stoned, sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. But they did not come with an attitude. They brought the message. They brought the truth. They brought love. They brought it with grace, not with an attitude. This, is, this gets to be us with our kids, our bosses, our, our peers. Uh, there's, there's a whole nother world here because we are not the judge. The judge is standing at the door and we are just as guilty with our hearts. And Jesus is coming back. He'll do the separating. We, we, we don't like to think of things as a judge, but as God is a judge, but it, it's, it's there. He's saying that there's right and there's wrong. But I'm the judge. Come to me. I took it for you. This is a big deal, a huge deal. I, I got a speeding ticket, um, or I got a ticket. It was an expensive ticket. I was about to lose my license. But I knew a judge, and he told me everything I was doing wrong, told me to stop doing it, and my ticket went away. 
And I didn't look at that judge and, and say, oh, why are you judging me? I can drive however I want to. I don't have to be in my seat or even in the car to drive. I can do whatever I want. I didn't say those things. I, I said, well, yes, sir. And I was so thankful for it. And yet we, we see God as, as a judge and, and we, we don't necessarily like that when he's telling us, guys, there's life. And so we can also pick up the attitude of the prophets knowing that we also are, are under that same judgment. So we establish our hearts. We look for, for the difference. And then as we suffer, as we struggle, as we continue to fight, we don't give up hope because he is coming soon. Wow, we, that's fun. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. May we digest it, hear it, understand it, and, and then run with it. Run with it as we work to put it into practice, establish it in our hearts, and, and look forward to the day you come back, knowing that, that it's not done yet, but there is better and there is you. Let this word stick with us this week and as we continue to grow, continue on this journey. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Happy Father's Day. And uh, I got you a few minutes early out. Bill is going to ask for that back next week. And so have fun. Bye, guys. <laughs>